Welcome to The Spawn Chunks, episode number 42, The Answer to Life, the Universe, and Everything, hey. for Monday, June 3rd, he made 2019. The joke. He made the joke. I, 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 I love that. I was kind I of that disappointed stuff. that I wasn't um, doing the intro this week because I wanted to make some kind of Douglas Adams reference, but, uh, <laughs> but you did it. Anyway, carry on. Sorry, ignore me. Hey, this is right. The, the, the interrupting... Uh, co-host in the background that you that you hear there is is Johnny. It's not in the background, but it's, it's Johnny. It's Pixel Riffs, uh, also from UK Earth. Hello, uh, and, me. Yeah, uh, and I'm Joel Duggan from Canada Earth. So hey, same planet, something in common already. Introduction uh, is all turned around. <laughs> yeah, uh, all on its head. Uh, it's bound to happen at some point. I think 42 episodes of the same intro. People are probably bored. We need to kind of like throw a monkey wrench in there and people are just like i don't know what's going on the world is upside down where's my towel yes uh, exactly we're, we're gonna have to talk about we're gonna have to talk about minecraft i guess so uh what have you been up to in the last week uh in the minecraft universe oh a whole bunch i am still deep into exploring 1.14 content i tamed all the cats and yes i mean all the cats i got there's there's 11 of them now in the game 11 different unique skins of cats oh, wow. and I had to tame a lot more than that in order to get all of them, simply because when you look for stray cats now, they spawn in villages. And inevitably, when you get down to just needing one more breed of cat, all of the other ones show up, but not the one you need. Uh, so, so I tamed probably about 25 cats, I figured out, in total, until I got all of them. Um, but I made a cat cafe in my in my town and and brought them all there and I thought that was that was a lot of fun. I have two of uh, Good Times with Scars cat jelly. Uh, I'm going to name the other one peanut butter by popular demand of my audience. Um, of course. And then the last couple of days I've been exploring raid content and I also fixed my villager trading hall before we get onto that because um, my villager trading hall was the sort of one block cell design before and then impulse sv put out a hermitcraft video in which he was playing around with them in creative and he figured out that if you put a trap door above their heads they still feel like they can get out of the one by one booth even if they can't and mm. so that makes them think they can pathfind to their workstations and that allows them to claim professions and reset their trades if the workstation in front of them is the one that they have claimed which if you have a large concentration of them in a single space, a lot of the time it isn't, which is a frustration that I will unpack later on in this show. Uh, but by and large, I've fixed my villager trading hall. I'm now in the process of trying to manipulate the villager economy somewhat. And I started that by getting Hero of the Village, because I've actually completed a raid. And let me tell you, hard raids are hard raids. <laughs> I was on hard difficulty. I have been on the Minecraft Survival Guide world for a while. And while there's been a couple of challenges in that, nothing has really taken me to the cleaners in the same way that this raid did. Because, oh boy, evokers and vexes on hard mode in the open, without the confines of a woodland mansion and a place that you can escape from, while you're trying to protect villagers at the same time, is a tough challenge. It's really not something I would wish on my worst enemy at this point. But uh, sooner or later, I'll find ways of manipulating that to my own ends as well. It's uh, it's an ongoing process, but I managed to successfully defend a village, so I'm very happy about that. I have yet to actually fight an evoker mm -hmm. and, and vexes in the world, I believe. I, I'm having a weird flashback of being in there with Matcast and Alistair on the one... Uh, woodland mansion that we found and trying to fight these guys because i know we wanted to not kill them we wanted to try and trap them so i remember in order to trap the evoker we probably had to hide a lot fight off a lot of vexes mm -hmm. i find the little things they're like bats like they're really hard to hit they are and, yeah that's the main problem 
Yeah, and then they hit like a truck. Like they, in return, they actually do quite a lot of damage. And so I, I find that kind of stuff quite frustrating. I think part of it, I mean, like straight up, I'm going to say I suck at PvE and PvP in Minecraft. It is not not my forte. So I'm not like the, the honed marksman that some players might be. I find um, a lot of the times the stuff in Minecraft, it's like it's either too easy, like the zombies are just kind of standing there looking at you, waiting to be smacked with a sword, uh, or it's to the level of difficulty that you have with evokers and... Uh, or it's like protect, uh, what are they called in video games? Uh, escort missions? Yeah, yeah. I never like those. They're always ridiculously hard. And it's like you can survive, but you have to protect this like feather yeah. <laughs> you know, of a character. Mm-hmm. It's like if I'm going to give this guy some protection, at least to give it more than one bloody hit point, you know, because it just it seems like it's it's, uh, it's a little bit tilted. But, but yeah, I've seen some interesting stuff with, with Pilger um patrols and and raids and stuff like that and i really like that video that impulse put out i thought that was very very clever yeah and it's 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 done a lot to kind of make me consider how i would use villagers in the future like how i would trap them and where i could put them and the the most important discovery for me was that while we were covering the build up to 1.14 and covering the snapshots and stuff it was sort of the the expectation that villagers would require beds in order to reset their trades and that not being able to sleep would cause problems for the trading cycle. And that is not the case. So villagers need beds and workstations in order to produce iron golems. And apparently they now, instead of healing when you upgrade their trades, they actually heal first thing in the morning when they get out of bed. So if they need healing, then that's how they can get it. But if you don't need to worry about that because your trading hall is well protected and you have, you know, the workstations around so that they can refresh their trades, they really don't need beds. That has the added benefit of not meaning that, of meaning that cats and iron golems don't spawn everywhere in your trading hall as long as you don't have places for your villagers to go to sleep. So right. it's actually not too dissimilar from what it was before. The main frustration for me right now is just making sure that the farmer thinks that the composter in front of him is his composter and that allows him to reset the trades Mm -hmm. because sometimes like from day to day or when the chunks unload and reload they will just pick other workstations that are nearby at random and so it's kind of encouraging you to only have one villager of each type in the area or allow them to pathfind to their workstation which is not something i want to do with this trading hall specifically but might be something i integrate into future designs yeah, I had to do some some profession block uh, villager manipulation in, on stream uh, this weekend, uh, and I I wanted to try and upgrade or or at least repair my um, villager auto farms. And there's a little uh, uh, five by five plots, you know, with the the light at one end, so that the when the villager plants the uh, the the crops near the pressure plate, they kind of pop off and get yeah. and get sucked in. And they're pretty efficient. Or they were in in one thirteen, uh, and uh, they don't work unless you have a, a profession block in there. So you have to have a composter, and the idea is that if you if you put the composter uh, in the middle and put a trap door on top of it uh, or a slab, then the villager can't get up and get stuck in it and yeah. can't get up on top of it. And then if they walk off of it, they don't trample the farmland around it. Yeah. So it it keeps you from losing uh, carrot or potato or whatever spots that you're farming. And uh, I did that with my wheat, two carrot farms, and a potato farm. Now, the, pota- the potato farm, 
the villager was already a Fletcher, so I believe that I must have traded with him before I put them in the farm. And while that worked in 113, I don't think it's going to work in 114, so I probably have to replace that villager, which is fine because I've, I've got some to spare. Um, but we did see some um, produce from the carrot farm. The, the, the carrot farmer guy actually did start planting crops, and we had, in the course of the five minutes or so that I was there, putting in the composters in different positions, uh, he, uh, we, he spat out like four or five carrots, which I thought, okay, well, I mean, it's passive. It's not meant to be a giant output. It's just meant yeah. to be something that it's in the, the, the Dartmouth Meadows area where everybody lives. So it's always loaded with someone's online. Yeah. So hopefully we'll just get some extra carrots out of it and we'll see where it goes. Um, but I, I had some frustration, uh, with that as well with, um, one carrot, one villager trying to get to another villager's, um, profession block because the range is so big and so that that seems to be um problematic i am on the fence about whether i like not so much that i dislike the new trading i like that kind of stuff it's more like the controlling villagers and trying to get them to do what you want seems yeah. to be less straightforward than it used to be and while it I think encourages less kind of like we'll say villager slavery, which I think is probably what <laughs> Mo Yang is probably trying to get away from. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to have some auto farms and you want to have that kind of stuff in there, it becomes a lot more random and a lot like you you can do all the right things, but then your your end result is not always the same. And I yeah. think that's a point of frustration. Yeah, um, I, th I think for, for I, I think them being more consistent is a goal, but I'm not sure how you would achieve that and still allow them to have the same natural routines the same characteristics that they currently have the the mm. thing that i like about villagers now compared to how they used to be is that you will find them socializing more which means they never just run away from the village previously if you let a villager out into the open you had no idea where it was going to go and right. if that's the case right now with a lone villager, they do tend to wander a little bit. But if you put down a profession block or if there are other villagers around, they are drawn back to that location so easily compared to how it used to be where you had to, you know, basically block a villager in and you would have to have minecart and rails or boats mm. or something to move them. Now it's a little bit more reliable that they will return to a specific point, whether that's a point of interest, like a right. bed or a workstation, or just to go and see another villager or a village bell or something like that. It's it's a, a double-edged sword, really, because it mm. makes villagers more predictable in that way. But then, like you said, they become a little bit more unpredictable in their day-to-day -day behavior and it becomes a little bit more random relying on them for mechanics like auto farming and that kind of stuff yeah it does make me hopeful uh, after watching impulse's video about how he fixed his uh, combination villager breeder and iron farm and uh, i i have a very similar setup on the citadel so i'm thinking it's not going to be that difficult to actually you know tweak uh, the the iron farm on the Citadel to get it back up and running. I don't know whether the rates are going to be the same, but again, it's in the spawn chunks. It's passive. It's just meant to be a constant trickle. Mm -hmm. um, and and so if I can get that back up and running, uh, then I think that that will be that will be a nice a nice addition um, without too much trouble. Like I don't think I have to redesign it. I think I just have to add a little bit off to the side. You know, make sure that things are spawn proof, and then add some beds and some profession blocks. And I think we should be good. Yeah. Uh, but it all all just depends on uh, on what I want to do there. But for me, I I've, I've been puttering around on the citadel it's i've not had any kind of giant projects uh i've been spending a lot of time in the swamp base just kind of like crossing t's and dotting i's 
and uh, I decided to kind of do some fun stuff with with skeletons a few weeks ago and I'm finishing off that build where I built the AFK room for the uh, skeleton spawner and in a fun way I kind of instead of just sitting there and having the skeletons drop in front of me I have them kind of go up a water stream and off a cliff and they light on fire before they hit the ground and like it's this big ordeal it's quite fun to watch and I started doing a spherical room about as small as you can get before it starts to look weird so it's about a 15 block 16 block wide room right yeah and in the process i just i was discovering a bunch of new little tweaks that are happening in in 114 that we'll talk about a little bit later in the show uh but i i've just been kind of like taking the time to kind of finish put the finishing touches on things and as luck would have it on the streams that i was doing that i also feel like i had some newer players watching in the stream so it was really kind of refreshing to kind of talk about stuff that people may not know about you know uh i was pushing the the, the limits of, of warrant 14 a little bit because the swamp base is very much automated there's a witch farm a slime farm skeleton farm so there's a lot of entities flying around and uh a lot of water streams and so i found quite happily that 114.2 uh is pretty good especially if you've got the new optivine preview version uh installed and uh i had a lot of fun just kind of like using new blocks to create cliff faces and trying to make supports look you know sturdy things that you don't have to do in minecraft but they're really fun to do and by doing all these little projects i was able to finish off a bunch of little things you know like we finished off the supports on the waterway we added some some stuff to um uh to to uh, another portal like we did all these little things where i was just kind of like taking on these micro projects uh fix those farms I uh, did a little bit of um, of a wither skeleton farming. Like every once in a while, I just find it relaxing to pop onto Minecraft and putter. Yeah. Do you like? Do you find that you get on there and and with the the big projects that you do with Survival Guide and I know you've got uh, Chop and Tuesdays for your streams where you, you that's where you like gather resources and yeah. stuff is a little bit more straightforward, a little bit more chill. But do you find like when you log on, uh, do you ever? F- find it relaxing to just kind of like go around and just kind of like poke <laughs> i do that occasionally yeah i i find that happens when i'm winding down with whatever project i was doing on the stream usually i've got an idea going in of like an objective and if that objective mm. gets fulfilled within a certain time or if i'm building and i run out of resources or i just kind of burn out on the idea and i kind of go okay it's time to just put that down a lot of the time i've still got like half an hour to 40 minutes of my stream left and i will just kind of hop around talking to people in the chat and like you know looking in chests finding whatever's been the output of the farms and just kind of like yeah like you say just poking at stuff pressing buttons seeing if the chicken cooker has produced any more cooked chicken or if it's all raw which it is right now because i haven't fixed mm-hmm. that for 114 <laughs> and like yeah just just kind of tidying stuff up clearing out my inventory for whatever the next episode is going to be and that kind of thing so there is like a a meditative thing to it you don't really have to engage too much with what you're doing at that point especially because you have to put so much concentration into large projects and staying focused on them that it's good to just let your brain unwind a little bit after that so i think Mm -hmm. it's it's probably a more common behavior than you might think 
Yeah, I miss having a big field of crops to plant. Like I, that's how I used to end the last last 45 minutes of my streams used to be like, all right, we've got to go plant more sugarcane. Let's see how much we can get done before I have to go, mm-hmm. you know, and that was always a nice way to chill out. But I like just being able to to take all of the different tools that you've accumulated over the, the years of playing Minecraft and just kind of like pop into different builds and be like, ooh, I can change this now or hey. Uh, this is something that I want to tweak and, uh, or just walking around and realizing, Hey, you know what? This little double smelter that I've got here in the meadows could really use a bamboo, uh, infinity fuel, you know, offshoot, you know, and, and not, but not a big build, you know, like I'm talking like six blocks, you mm-hmm. know, like just something really simple. The, the things that take you 15 minutes to accomplish. And I, I, I really enjoy that kind of stuff. I think a bamboo farm is probably going to be on the list for me this week because I've, I've grown a lot of it by hand, but I haven't got an automated bamboo farm set up in my world yet, and mm. it's going to be very useful as fuel. I think that's probably the new meta. It was kelp blocks in the last update. It's bamboo in this update. Yep, one hundred percent. Something that you don't have to craft before you can put it into a you know mm-hmm. into a into a smelter. It's I remi- it reminds me of uh, I think it was Hermitcraft season five. I think it was five. Uh, where Tango Tech had like a quad witch hut thing. Uh, is that five or four? Uh, I can't remember. I'm not. I'm yeah. Not certain. Anyway, quad witch hut means lots and lots and lots of sticks. sticks and he yeah. used and he used he didn't keep them. He used all of them for fuel and a smelter. And so uh, this constant drive of sticks uh, meant that he never had to worry about fuel at all. And even though they're not the most efficient fuel, the fact that he just had so many sticks uh was was uh inconsequential like it just it meant that he basically had infinite fuel uh so yeah i think bamboo is definitely going to be be the way to go in that respect uh, so what do you think uh, time to dive into some news i think so i th- and I'll, I'll start by taking on the first couple of points here because this is stuff i picked up during the week it's been a bit of a slow news week in terms of compared to like the previous couple of weeks where we had the the 10th anniversary and all of the stuff coming out about the creator summit and 114.2 and so forth, but uh, I picked this up from the Minecraft.net website. Dark Horse Comics has published a Minecraft graphic novel, and this is an officially licensed thing. It's been written by a writer called Sve-R Monster and illustrated by Sarah Grayley, whose work can be found at saragrayley.com. It's available now from book retailers. I think the official release date for it was yesterday, uh, and you can get it at minecraftshop.com as well, which is the official Mojang merchandise store online for for minecraft so uh, minecraft is getting graphic novels out there in the world and it is just called minecraft a graphic novel as far as i can tell there isn't like a subtitle for it so it's unclear whether there's going to be more of these stories in future or if it's just you know this is this one person's experience and there's going to be offshoots of that later it's going to be interesting to see if it spins off into further things on her website is called minecraft volume one right okay so yeah so that 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 might allude to potential volume two which may also mean either she draws it or maybe they have another artist you know come in i've seen this before with other properties where sometimes the artists will flip flop back and forth and you've uh, done a comics podcast for a while you familiar with sarah grayley i'm not familiar with her work but her illustration style to me is familiar and it's got kind of like a is it steven universe it's kind kind of got a little bit of a vibe you know Mm -hmm. it's kind of like the eye shape in the way it's got a very um we'll call it a doodle like uh aesthetic to it uh which i think is smart for for kids comics it feels very Uh, very hand drawn and not that comics wouldn't be hand drawn but it feels like a kind of um pen and paper kind of thing rather than it being digital and very 
like like Marvel comics you see now tend to have that very kind of digitized style to them, where that you can tell glossy it's done style. on a, yeah, glossy is is a great word yeah. for it, where they've been done on like yeah. a pen tablet and everything. I would imagine Sarah's probably using a pen tablet just yeah. for efficiency for yeah, working yeah. with with comics, but but the the ink style is very much like one and done. There's yeah. not a lot of like making everything look pristine and perfect. It's it's meant to be more of a uh, accessible. I like to call this kind of style of art accessible. So, and it's smart when you do this with with all ages comics because it means that kids can look at it and be like, I could do that. Mm-hmm. I should do that. I should yeah. try that. And the yeah. next thing you know, you've got kids that are drawing their own comics, which again, I think is fantastic. And I would imagine that any parents uh, that are able to satiate the the minecraft hunger in the household and get the kids in front of a book instead of in front of a screen are probably quite happy to do so yes uh, but there's a little bit of an interview there with sarah on the uh, the minecraft.net uh, link which i thought was really cool she talked about working with the writer uh and what it was like to collaborate uh and they had not met and they only met uh for the first time after the book was completed so that was kind of a cool story too yeah, and it does seem to have quite a diverse range of characters in it. That was stated as like a goal because Minecraft players in general are, are so diverse in themselves. It's such a worldwide game that it seems like it's uh, yeah, it's quite a quite a neat looking diverse group of people that's in in the focus of the comics. So excited! Mm-hmm. I might I might see if I can pick up a copy just to to have it on the shelves and 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 take a a flip through it for the show. Maybe yeah, and probably check out your latest your local library too. Apparently, yes, it's in yes, it's then, in libraries. There may well be copies here and there. Um, sadly, the second point of news is a bit less positive, and it's that Minecraft Story Mode is no longer going to be supported after June 25th. We reported a few months ago now that Telltale Games, who make Minecraft Story Mode along with various other uh, kind of point-and-click narrative games um, with, with a lot of kind of player choice elements, kind of visual novels, but with a bit more of a video game element to them. Uh, but they are sh- they, they shut down as of October 2018, so they are now pulling support for their games. As of June 25th, it will no longer be possible to uh, download episodes of Minecraft Story Mode, even if you have purchased them. So if you want to still play Minecraft Story Mode, you'll need to... Uh, make sure you've downloaded any of those that you've already purchased before June 25th. Otherwise, they're no longer going to be up on the servers that you would be able to download them from. Uh, and naturally, that's a shame because it's, you know, the the video games industry losing this kind of narrative format powerhouse as, you know, a lot of people considered them. But unfortunately, yeah, it does seem like uh, Telltale Games doesn't have the resources to keep that the lights on in that particular department. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say a, a fond farewell, I guess, to Minecraft Story Mode. I'm pretty sure you can or you could at least play it through Netflix, which is a weird thing. But like um, with Netflix being available on consoles and, you know, a lot of smart TVs having controls that you could kind of flick through a menu style thing on the screen. I think it was at least at one point possible to play Minecraft Story Mode through Netflix. So if it still is, maybe give it a try. It, if it, if you if it's part of your Netflix subscription, it's not going to cost you anything extra, as far as I know. So yep. maybe give it a try before it disappears for good. It's funny. I've seen those on Netflix here in Canada. I've not played them because I just, for whatever reason, it was like, well, it doesn't seem to be really something I'm interested in. The playtime on them says three minutes, which is weird. So... I just assumed they were little vignettes. Like, I just assumed they were little three-minute cartoons. I didn't realize that it could be something that I could interact with. So having this information, actually, I'm, I might go try to check that out before it potentially dis- disappears. I- I'm wondering, with Telltale Games uh, no longer supporting, obviously, uh, the Minecraft Story Mode, do you think that Moyang would then pick that up? Because we've got Minecraft Earth, we've got Minecraft Dungeons. 
do you think Minecraft story mode is something that Mojang would fold into their diversification of Minecraft? I don't know if it's something they're going to pick up and continue the development of, specifically that story and that range of characters, but I think it has, I think the success of story mode, the relative success, I suppose, uh, has emboldened them to try new things. And I think that's ultimately what's led to us having Minecraft dungeons in the first place, is mm. that they, the story mode thing was something that another game studio could take on that proved that there was a market out there for other gamified versions of Minecraft that weren't the core experience. So if Minecraft story mode itself doesn't return in any kind of form, I expect you might see elements of that or at least like, you know, some variations that have been prompted by the idea that Minecraft story mode was a viable thing for people to play. How interested would it be if uh, Minecraft Dungeons had a bit of a choose your own adventure <laughs> you know, feature to it? You know, like, well, I mean, really, you get you get to this room and there's three doors and it's like, well, you have to choose one of three doors and it can lead to three different story arcs. You yeah. Know? Maybe they all come back to the same point. I'm not saying it ends differently, but you could have three potentially different adventures. It would give you a, a replayability, you know, to to dungeons if that was the case. Uh, I would imagine they probably were are hopefully taking what they've learned from Minecraft story and, and folding it in. So yeah. I'm I'm the more I think about it, the more I'm very curious about Minecraft dungeons. Yes, here's hoping we see a little bit more of that in the in the weeks to come. Speaking of the core game, uh, there's no news, no hints, no weird little eyeballs on Twitter that I can see uh, pointing at a 114.3 snapshot this week. Uh, 114.2 released on the podcast uh, date uh, last week on the 27th of of, uh, of May. So I don't I don't really know what to say. I don't, I don't. They say that they're working on it, but I would imagine Wednesday. Uh, we may see, if not a snapshot, at least news of a snapshot. We might get like a no snapshot this week. We're still working on things. Not really yeah. sure. Um, however, uh, in terms of some new developments, uh, Optifine 114.2 has a preview version. So there was a version released already, but unfortunately it's for a, a version of, of 114 that is problematic for many, many people. Uh, but to have a 114.2 preview version 7, which came out on June 1st from Optifine.net, available for people, uh, is excellent. It means that I, I feel like this might be the fastest that Optifine has turned around um, from a release standpoint to a point two. You know, like a, a lot of times you'll play on like you'll play on 113 and you'll be stuck on 113 because you want to use Optifine, even though it might be 113.1 or 113.2 is out, but Optifine hasn't caught up yet. Uh-huh. Yeah, but I feel like this was a really fast turnaround. It it was, and it was clear that one fourteen point two was going to be the version that people wanted to play because of the issues with fourteen and fourteen point one. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think that it was a smart decision for them to aim for that. And from what I can tell, but ba based on the fact that we haven't heard much about one fourteen point three, I think the point two has been so well received and has fixed so many of the dire issues people were having that Mojang feels like they can take a little bit more time with it and work on stuff and the community isn't burning down around them while they do. So mm -hmm. I think if, if nothing else, the radio silence is just good news because there isn't one big massive bug that everyone is encountering that they need to take care of, which was yeah. the case with the lighting glitches and with entities disappearing in 14.1 and the chunk loading issues, chunk rendering issues in 114 Prime. So yeah, I do think 114.2 is going to be a good version to stick with for a little while. 
And hopefully when 14.3 eventually drops, as they've said it will, it will be even better. There are still a few issues, which I think we're going to cover a little bit later in our main topic. Uh, there's still a couple of things that could definitely be improved about the current version, but it is ultimately very playable. And if Optifine makes it more playable, then so much the better. Yeah. Are you running Optifine right now? I am. Yeah. Uh, I kind of couldn't resist. I wanted to get in and take glamour shots of my builds with shaders and also, yeah, yeah and, and get back to using the Optifine zoom and having a little bit more uh, control over the fine detail of the stuff that uh, generates in the world and, and how the world loads. Having smoother FPS, that kind of stuff is is kind of part and parcel of the Minecraft experience for me. And I didn't make a big deal of it at the time. I just kind of went, yeah, I'll put Optifine preview on and hopefully the you know main version will fix a couple of the issues that I have with it. I haven't found a huge performance boost, but my rig is quite good, so I didn't expect mm. it to like revolutionize anything. The one thing I'm finding weird about Optifine, I don't know if you've encountered this as well, but in the vanilla game without Optifine installed, the horizon is split into two kind of zones. You have the skybox above you, which is usually it, during the day, it's the kind of like sky blue color. And then everything around you, even if the world hasn't generated yet, there is this kind of mist, this kind of like lighter, misty, kind of very light blue, almost white kind of color. And mm -hmm. in Optifine, they add a third layer to that. The misty layer becomes kind of a stripe around the horizon and then if you see the world loading in front of you, the ground underneath it is this kind of ocean blue color. And so you end up with this kind of three-tone thing going on. And I find that weirdly distracting, having played the, you know, 114, 114.1 without Optifine. I find it very weird to now have this blue layer underneath everything. So if nothing else, Optifine, having an Optifine installed has made that an issue for me that i find kind of weird and distracting and i can't figure out in the settings if there's any way to tweak that and disable it or or, or what exactly is causing that it does just seem to be a fact of the way optifine functions maybe on my machine maybe it might, it might be a, a graphics card thing i don't know if you've you've seen this and you can kind of understand what i'm talking about here no i do i absolutely do i don't I didn't think it was a one, I didn't think it was a vanilla versus Optifine thing. I've always thought it was a Skybox thing. Like I thought, cause I play uh, a Jermsey boy. I'm using his Skybox stuff. Mm. Cause he's got like shooting stars and yeah. So there's custom cool sky elements and, in there. Yeah. Yeah. And his sun and moon are round, but they're like Minecraft round. They're right. not circles. Like they're, they're proper, like chunky. I want to say they're like 13 pixel spheres. Like they're, they're really, really appropriate for the game yeah uh and i quite like them and so i've been using that and the sunsets are also really cool in his sky pack um but i do notice that seam like it, it it it's not a a smooth transition um your it's like your skybox has a line that should be hidden by the horizon but when your chunks don't load fast enough you can see the seam yeah yeah you know, that's, it's that's like having thing a, that bugs me it's like a pokeball, right? Like you get this line around the middle. <laughs> it is, right? Yeah, yeah. And and so I so I'm going to test that now because I I'd like to try and fix that. I remember talking with Jermsey one time about it and and trying to sort it out, and I never really got to the bottom of it. So I'd like to learn more about custom biome colors and custom sky maps and stuff like that for my own purposes because mm -hmm. there's some things that I'd like to tweak. And if it's something as simple as like taking taking an image into Photoshop and laying a gradient over top of it to keep it smooth. 
And if that's all it is, then sweet, because yeah. that that could that could be very very um, very very helpful. If you think uh, about that, let, you... let me know because I, yeah. I'm having the hardest time adjusting to that after having not used yeah. Optifine for a while. But yeah. I don't have any kind of custom texture pack elements aside from the mm. vanilla tweaks resource pack that lowers the shield. Uh, yeah. So so I don't have a custom skybox at all, and it does that for me. So oh, yeah. okay, so I'm... maybe it's an Optifine thing more than a skybox thing. It may be. Yeah, I uh, I have noticed especially playing around that I mentioned earlier in the show, playing around in that swamp area that is that can be potentially quite laggy. Because like, you know, if a witch dies and a, and, a, and a slime dies and a skeleton dies and I'm putting stuff away in my storage system, there's a lot of items flying around in, in that swamp. Yeah. Uh, and uh, boy, oh boy, is 114.2 preview 7 and Optifine snappy. And that's mm. just the preview version. It's not the full release yet. Uh, I found it night and day. Uh, Alistair and I were playing online one of my streams last week. It was, I think Optifine was out, but I didn't know about it. So I didn't install it. And so I hadn't installed it before the stream. So I played without it. And I actually had to re-log because we were having some issues. Uh, and then uh, on the weekend, having installed um, the new version, uh, it was so snappy. Mm -hmm. I'm noticing I've even increased the render distance on the server, I think to 16 chunks. And it just makes a huge difference. Like there are certain points now, like unless I'm flying very high, I don't feel like I can see the edge of the Minecraft world mm -hmm. and it's so immersive and I'm really liking that new snappy sort of appeal. So whatever they did to fix the rendering from a Mojang standpoint is great. And then Optifine on top of that is just optimizing the Java performance uh it's really really good and i i know for a fact that when i was running minecraft on my older laptop that optifine was essential to even have it work but it was more than working it was actually quite playable so for anybody that's out there struggling uh check out optifine.net uh just be careful of you know ads and stuff be sure to skip ads and just download the actual file and and stuff yeah. like that but for now uh, you'll for it, now you'll find it in the preview version section which i think is a drop down thing you have to click on when you go yes. to the downloads page but pretty soon it should be out in a full release and then it'll just be on the main downloads page there for you so uh yeah check it out moving on we should probably get to chunk mail and speaking of the performance of the game it's uh it's more focused on the gameplay aspect but i think this is going to be an interesting discussion so uh this one comes from mike thank you mike for your email and mike says Hello, Johnny and Joel. I'm a new listener of the podcast, which is excellent, by the way. My question is about pillagers. Do the new presence of pillager outposts, patrols, and raids dampen your enthusiasm for building in survival? I'm still a relative novice in Minecraft, and protecting a village from pillagers has been challenging, especially with 114's bugs. I wonder if I will still need to surround everything I build from now on with walls or moats or other pillager-proof structures. Fending off attacks can be fun, but I can also see them becoming a nuisance after a while. Thanks for the inspiration and helping me realise there's a lot more to Minecraft than I first thought, Mike. Thank you, Mike, and uh, you're welcome, I guess, for the inspiration and so forth. It's It's been fun to unpack the different aspects of Minecraft, and we still get a lot of emails from people saying, like, really cool discussions this week gave me some stuff to think about that I hadn't thought about before. So, uh, yeah, pleasure to, to spark the imagination. How do you feel about pillager patrols, Joel? I have only engaged with a couple uh they haven't been too hard to defeat however i've also had the advantage of them spawning in dartmouth meadows where there are a lot of things to hide behind so mm -hmm. 
I'm not caught out in the open. I'm not surrounded by six pillagers. It's it's there's six of them, but they're stuck behind a tree or a block or something. So I can usually pick them off, no problem. Because uh, they 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 do a decent amount. Like one on one, no problem. But six on one, yeah, I can see that being. You can't fluff around. You really have to focus and 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 take them out. Otherwise, you're going to have to back up, eat some food, and come back. Uh, I find them too frequent, and I want to be careful that. I'm not just sliding down the slope of like, I just have no interest in pillager patrols. So it's not like I dislike them. I'm not slamming them. I think adding some extra challenge to the game is fine. Um, but I, as a content creator, when I log on and I want to start a stream to then be like rolling my eyes, like, oh God, I can't walk down this road because there's, I don't want to spend the next, you know, three minutes dealing with this pillager patrol. I find them very interruptive. Uh, and I've also noticed that they will spawn anywhere. Yeah, uh, I, I had a very funny moment in the stream the other day where I was walking along and out of the corner of my eye, I saw the banner and I le- looked and a pillager patrol had spawned on the roof of my neighbor's <laughs> house Yeah, and they couldn't get down. And so I was too far away for them to engage. And so they weren't tracking me. So they didn't walk off the edge of the roof, but they all turned and faced me. And yeah. froze. Yeah. And they literally stood there for a minute to the point where it was, I made fun of it. Like I'm sitting there on stream going like, this is ridiculous. This is kind of creepy, actually. It's like when a cat stares at you. Yeah. Uh, and it's, so it's just like this really odd experience. But then I just got to thinking about it afterwards. Like they spawned on the roof. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, we all know that you have to spawn proof your roofs because that's how you have to deal with light in Minecraft and stuff like that. So you don't get creepers dropping in on your head. But now you have to, now with pillager patrols they're not light dependent which means they can drop in from anywhere now thankfully they're not kamikaze exploding creepers but six of them could just drop in on you for no apparent reason whatsoever and i i feel like they need to have like a will not spawn within x blocks of player sort of thing similar to how mobs won't spawn within 25 blocks of you i kind of feel like they might want to push the patrols a little bit farther away um and also I have a question for you to, for clarification, mm-hmm. pillager patrols are just kind of like random. They kind of like appear wherever they don't necessarily appear next to villagers. They just kind of like show up. Yes. They are based on proximity to the player. And in theory, they aren't supposed to spawn within 200 blocks of a village, according to the Minecraft wiki. <laughs> uh, not Broken. the case, not the case not in working. my experience. Yeah. But no, we, we, we'll, we'll go into that a little bit more in, in the, in the subject of lighting up your roofs and stuff, by the way, from what I understand, again from the Minecraft wiki, so the spawning conditions from them could be a little bit broken at this point and maybe need seeing to if this is the the version we're supposed to be getting, but pillager patrols aren't supposed to spawn if there is block light around them. They can spawn in daylight. In fact, they, I think, prefer to spawn in daylight out on plains biomes. Or if nothing else, if it's daylight all the time, they can still spawn because at night time there's a chance for all of the other stuff to spawn as well and that takes up the mob cap. But mm. you'll find pillager patrols will be more frequent if you are constantly making it daytime. So that might be why people are seeing them more frequently. However, of course, there's no real advantage to let it become nighttime because then you get all of the other mobs as well. So that's not necessarily a, a deterrent for them. But they are supposed to uh, not spawn if an area is lit up. So if you've mob-proofed stuff with light anyway, then chances are it won't be spawning pillagers too. That's the, 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 the conditions that I understand. But like I said, I've had 
I had a pillager patrol spawn at the village that I was trying to build up for the video where I did another raid. And so on a stream, preemptively to all of my defenses, I had to fight off a raid at that village anyway. And that was not mm. fun for a start uh, because I, I ended up with all but one of my villagers dying and I had to go and get a villager from another biome in order to continue repopulating the village that I'd only Ugh. got like, I'd got four villagers to breed and I was like, yes, progress. And then a pillager patrol spawned next to it. And the first thing I did instinctively was leap at them and kill the patrol leader. A raid started instantly. I just went, oh no. <laughs> because mm. like it was just happening on stream and I was like, well, that's the next, you know, 45 minutes of this stream gone so that I can so complete this I, under, I understand getting bad omen and going into a village and activating a raid is a player activated thing but a pillager patrol coming through your village that to me is the exact opposite of what they said on stage during one of the developer panels yeah. at minecon last year which was to uh we don't want non-player controlled stuff like tornadoes coming in and destroying your stuff because mm -hmm. that's just not fun yes. and this to me it's not as destructive. Like you're not destroying blocks or buildings. It's not blowing stuff up like a creeper. But when you're trying to work with villagers, which is the focus of this update, uh, and you have these random patrols that can come into your village, like that to me is a problem. Yes, no, it is a problem. And it's clearly not the intended way that these things are supposed to work. Like I was on a sand dune, maybe 30 blocks away from the center of my village and they spawned right there at the foot of this sand dune. And they were the first thing I encountered when I was walking down to get to the bed. Uh, so that was a problem. So the main... The, the thing the thing is we need to differentiate pillager patrols from raids because on their own a pillager patrol is easy enough to deal with like you said it's maybe like five or six crossbowmen or you know a mixture of vindicators sometimes if you're playing on on harder modes um mm -hmm. but in my experience like you said with them watching you from the rooftop pillager patrols aren't always aggressive like if you get within a certain distance of them then maybe they attack you but i've seen them when i was out mining for sand on a completely different occasion spawn in the desert and then you could clearly see them they were about maybe like 20 blocks away from me they weren't despawning but they also weren't coming towards me they weren't pathfinding they just kind of pause there and give you a chance to engage with them but mm -hmm. in my experience this may be different from other people this might just be anecdotal for me they won't engage with you unless you go for them first so that might be a way and obviously the the natural instinct for us as pve players is to go after anything we see as hostile just so it doesn't become a problem for us later you want to remove the the chance for it to become inconvenient by you know the, the best the best defense being a good offense but in this case maybe the the idea is not to attack pillager patrols first like i i actually noticed some people pointed it out on the comments of this video as well while i was building my cat cafe a bunch of pillagers spawned in the background in the time lapse and were pathfinding their way all around the area just kind of running up and down the length of my town which doesn't have any villagers in so it was fine and they weren't coming anywhere near me and yes i was up in the air kind of building stuff on scaffolding but they could have pathfinded their way over to me they could have seen me from a distance like zombies do and come forward and been more aggressive and they didn't so i get the sense that they're sort of programmed to keep their distance a little bit until the player starts to decide to engage with them so that may be the first line of defense really is like don't 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 acknowledge they're there don't look at them <laughs> and going back to the hitchhiker's guide thing if you can't see them they can't see you so we'll <laughs> give that a try. they can if you get close enough Yes. So I've I've had it where they will engage 
I have not int- attacked first, but yeah. they one of the patrols, the one that I actually had to deal with, so not the one on the roof, but another patrol. Uh, I can't, unfortunately, my streams are blending together in my brain. I don't know whether both patrols were in the same stream or whether they were on separate days, but uh, one of them spawned like right behind my storage barn. So when I came out, I was four blocks away from a pillager. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they got, they, they do their aggressive noise thing and they start shooting and stuff like that. You can hear them cock the crossbow. It makes yeah. a pretty distinct noise. Um, and then I had to deal with them. And, um, I will say on a positive note when dealing with them, uh, they are very funny when, when they get hit. <laughs> yeah. They, I feel like they kind of say, ow. Yeah. They go, I don't ow, think it's, don't me- they, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, I feel like it's meant to be something else, but sort of vaguely sound like ow. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's, it's quite, it's quite funny because they, they, they kind of go her and then they go how and whatever. Yeah. Like, and it just, it's, it's, it's very, it's a little bit random, but when you manage to kill one and they have the ow sound at the same time, it's, it's quite funny. Yeah. Uh, it's it's kind of like the um the drowned noise like the the fishy kind of like that, <laughs> that they do yeah. I, I i do i like that too um but yeah i uh, my my general kind of feedback is that they just they, they seem to be a little bit um uh, frequent yeah yeah I, I can see that um personally i think aside from yeah the, the the frequency of them can be a problem but the main thing you want with a pillager patrol is just to avoid starting a raid i think that's the everyone's primary concern is like am i too close to villagers am i going to start mm. a raid am i going to have to deal with all of these waves of things am i going to basically have to you know either deal with potentially seven waves worth of baddies or just leave this area and never come here again like abandoned ship um, so the way to avoid getting raids is not to put villagers everywhere for a start. Useful though it is, I think, to have villagers around. I think if you're if you're going to have collections of villagers, have them at very specific points and make sure that if you encounter a pillager patrol outside of that region, uh, drink some milk to dispel that bad omen effect before you go and see your villagers. Can't emphasize that enough. Drinking milk will cure potion effects and status effects of all kinds. It includes mining fatigue from Elder Guardians and it includes bad omen from the pillager patrol captains. So that's that's definitely rule number one is find a cow <laughs> as soon as you can. Get the emergency cow on the go and, and you should be okay. Um, aside from that, as far as raid defense goes, from what I found in my video the other day, um, a, a wall at least like you know, at the minimum, two blocks high. Two blocks high is enough to prevent most raid mobs from entering an area, provided that the ground outside is flat, of course, and they can't, like, pathfind over the top of the wall. Um, but that includes Ravagers. Even though their hitbox is big, they can't really jump, so they're they're pretty, pretty effective and can be easily picked off from high places if you just have, like, a wall around your village, which it sucks to have to build the wall in the first place, and if the village is large, it can mean a lot of blocks invested in protecting these guys. But you can do some fun stuff with it, fun designs, and it's also pretty effective against zombies and so forth later. Um, Evokers and Vexes, like I said earlier in the show, are the main problem. They only spawn on waves 5, 6, and 7, and then any bonus waves that you get for having a higher level of bad omen. So you won't find Evokers spawning at all on easy in these raids, where you only get 3 waves, uh, and you only get 1 Evoker that turns up in the final wave on a normal mode raid. So... I mean, if you're playing in single player, consider changing the difficulty. If you're finding raids too difficult to handle, uh, by all means, do that. Because, yeah, I've, I've taken on a couple of raids on hard. They are no joke. Uh, it is it is very difficult to defend against them later. And I died three or four times just trying to defend my village. My villagers were fine because the raiders weren't getting inside the wall at all. But then 
actually taking care of all those mobs in the first place it's not the it's not the same as dealing with other hostile mobs where you can just fly away far enough and they despawn it just doesn't work like that so yeah on hard mode it's a little bit difficult to deal with and you get more evokers but yeah a wall is a pretty effective defense but the best defense is just either not engaging with them in the first place or dispelling bad omen before you even have a chance to spawn a raid and hopefully after a while you'll find that stuff settles down maybe moyang nerfs the chance of pillager patrols spawning in future and i think eventually they're just going to become a fact of life i think right now they're the most annoying just because they're the newest thing and so you notice it more by virtue of it just being like a new thing that's appeared in the game yeah in in the same stream I came back to my my AFK spot in uh, the swamp to find three creepers, all within two blocks of one another, just kind of roaming around yeah. outside the AFK room. So like that that kind of stuff still happens. Just like you said, it's old hat compared to compared to the the pillager stuff. Mm -hmm. So I I find them interesting. I don't. I want to be careful that I'm not slamming them. I just feel like maybe just some tweaks are needed. You know, it's not like, a, oh, this is terrible, redo it. It's, for me, it's more like, a, ah, this is cool, but it feels a little bit, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not quite finished yet, is, sure. is, kind, of what, is kind of how I, how I feel yeah, about it. it. And needs, I, and it I needs fine-tuning. I think it needs fine-tuning. Fine-tuning, that's a good way to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. Um, <clears throat> well, I think we could probably move on to the, the main discussion topic here. And uh, I... I want to be careful. Like I noticed I've been ranting a lot about 114 in the past. <laughs> so I thought I would start off with some little things, uh, some positive things about 114. So this is just kind of like some anecdotal notes that I've kind of compiled uh, over the last couple of days, having now spent like, you know, six or eight hours playing in 114.2, not puttering around, messing about in creative, but like actually playing on the Citadel server experience, that kind of stuff. Sure. Uh, so I want to start off with a couple of a really fun little changes and that are really really handy and have gone under the radar as far as any news happens uh we got one mention a while ago in a snapshot that you can now place redstone on glass but that translates to you can now place a lot of things on transparent blocks that you couldn't before mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> so uh you can place torches and ladders on the sides of glass blocks I yeah. discovered this accidentally. I was, I click spammed and I was just like, but how did the ladder get on the wall? Oh, you, you can put torches and ladders on the glass now? Like I, my mind was blown. Uh, so it means that temporarily when you're like, for me, I was putting torches down to light up the stream so people could see what I was doing. But it means that you can now have other lighting options. You can do different things with torches. You can do different things with ladders. Not having to put solid blocks in the middle of your glass build to put a ladder to is very cool ladders still look kind of funny wooden on a glass but at least you don't have to add yet another block that you may not want into that build uh, i have to give a shout out to paranor who is a mod in both your chat and mine on twitch uh, who brought rails uh to my attention rails can now be placed on trapdoors. yeah yeah rails can also be placed on scaffolding by the way um, which is something I don't think is going to be like a huge surprise to anybody because scaffolding, as long as you don't break it, is actually like a really 
decent block to have around um but it looks really great if you want to build a roller coaster like one of those old wooden roller coaster type of things mm -hmm. having scaffolding as the framework for that would be really cool but yeah like i saw i saw a reddit post that pointed out the rails being tra placed on trapdoors even if they're open so even if the trapdoor is like vertical uh the rails can actually lay across the top of the space where the trapdoor would be if it was closed and that's yeah. that's really cool looking that actually looks like some kind of suspended rail trestle i want to say i don't know where that word is yeah. coming from but yeah like that, nope. that, trestle that, trestle's the right word yeah good. trestle's the right okay. word and it, and it and it makes you like think of like those old kind of like abandoned mine shafts in like indiana jones where like the track stops oh and yeah then no, picks, and that picks up on the other side of the chasm like you could do some really really cool stuff with this not to mention just the fact of building like thin narrow bridges that don't look too chunky like if you want to have part of your 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 rail look a little bit more um i guess thin uh, on a bridge you can have little bridges that don't look like they're they have to be so so chunky mm -hmm. um also from paranor uh beacon beams can now pass through slabs and carpets now carpets could have been there before i yeah. don't know the carpets definitely uh, did before yeah yeah but slabs both upper and lower slabs is a game changer because uh, previously if you wanted to have a beacon beam go up through the middle of something you had to have a piece of glass there or a carpet uh, to kind of hide the fact that there's a hole in the floor. But now with all the different slabs that we have, like you could potentially have a stone floor. Yes, and just put down stone, yeah. one of the new slabs and it just looks like the beacon beam goes right through it. You just have to make sure that that is a slab and not a solid block. And that's it. That's all you need. Uh, it does bring up one thing that I would like to see uh, the possibility of doing. I would like to be able to control the height of a beacon beam. Yeah. I think that, that would be a very cool thing. I can't say I would do it all the time, but I just like the idea of using a beacon beam. Like if you're doing some sort of sci-fi build or you want to have something that looks like it's shooting down into the ground, if you could stop it at a certain height like in a, and attach it at the bottom and top you know, to something, uh, I feel like that could look very, very, very cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, right now, if you stop it at any height, then it loses its effect. It just turns off. Yeah, um, at least having it be able to fade out as it got a little bit higher, because on a, on occasion, having the beam go up to, like, world height is just a little bit excessive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I agree. Uh, now, the last thing that, that I, I'll point out, uh, this is kind of something in between. It's not really good or bad. It's just something that I'm finding difficult to get used to, and that is that you now need to craft all the dies from all the stuff that used to be something that you could use as a die yeah like lapis Example, or bone meal or whatever yeah lapis bone meal ink sacks uh etc now bone meal can be used for multiple things cocoa beans are used in cooking and, and recipes and things like that uh, lapis obviously used for enchanting as well as now dying when you turn it into blue dye uh, and then the other dyes are, are usually combinations of existing dyes you know you have to take yellow and red to make orange that sort of thing mm -hmm. uh what I find, I just find it cumbersome. And and it's probably just me not used to, like I used to carry around ink sacks and I could just totally make, you know, black glass from ink sacks. Nope, now I have to turn the ink sacks into black dye. So now I have two things in my inventory, two spaces, because I, you know, at the same time, you know, like maybe I don't want to craft all of my bone meal into white dye. But then I'm thinking like, well, why am I carrying around ink sacks? Are there any other uses for ink sacks other than black dye now? Um, They... 
make written books is the only oh, other right. one. Yeah. Right, that's the other thing. So which, I knew which, there had to be something. Which you might need more of now that there are lecterns in the game. But uh, even so, right. yeah, it, it does seem like a very niche thing. And it's it's effectively, it's not taken away part of the functionality, but it's added an additional step to you using ink sacs for that thing. And so right. ink sacs now feel kind of more useless by extension, even if they're technically not. Because, yeah, yeah there's now only one thing other than the die that you, you craft with. Yeah, it's not like they feel useless, but they what you feel is they add to the inventory bloat. Yeah, like before long, you've got now bone meal and white dye, ink sacks and black dye, lapis and blue dye, all in your inventory at once, and you're just constantly going back to a chest, going, "Don't need this, don't need this, don't need this." Like, just get it all out, make it. I need space. Yeah. Uh, so I feel like they need to do something where you can have you know a bit more access to these these things, and I. I to me, the logic, I never really felt that it was a stretch to be able to use ink sacs to make a written book and to dye things black. That didn't seem like it was a stretch. From a younger player standpoint, though, I do get the understanding of I want to dye something. All of the 16 colors have a corresponding dye, mm -hmm. right? I, I get that logic. Uh, so I'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just weird to me and it's probably just new and weird not not in a bad way it's probably just that it's a new thing uh, but um i as a builder primarily a builder that doesn't deal with a lot of like written books and that kind of stuff i'm finding uh the extra steps to be a little bit to get used to yeah no i i kind of agree i, th I think there's only going to be a certain point at which uh we we have extra items and stuff like that added into the game before inventory management in particular becomes a necessity to revise in some form. And even though shulker boxes were added sort of recently and they have revolutionized the way people think about storage now, mm -hmm. I think sooner or later just the player inventory potentially needs an overhaul, which is weird because it's such a, an integral thing to the Minecraft experience right now, but with them adding so much extra stuff comes the problem of needing some sort of solution to make that stuff easier to handle and modded yeah. stuff while obviously there are huge amounts of extra items and and blocks and so forth in in modded worlds they also add storage solutions which get thrown into mod packs because like you, you need like a backpack to carry around with you as well that's like a second inventory and you need like a tool belt that changes out your hotbar and that kind of thing that i think moyangs needs to start thinking about some of the solutions that they could add to the vanilla game to counteract how many items are now starting to to creep into the game here and there and and how difficult it's going to be to arrange your inventory when you have wood broken down into 700 different things yeah i know that's the thing right and i'm even noticing like as advantageous as shulker boxes are i have a ender chest full of shulker boxes as most end game players do the only two spots that i leave uh, for normal items are my chest plate and my uh, fortune pickaxe. Those are the two things that I'll swap out quite quickly if I need to. Yeah. Uh, but everything else is is all within like toolboxes or utility boxes and stuff like that. I'm running out of space. I don't have enough shulker space in the nender chest full of shulkers to to deal with all of it. Yeah. Um. Uh, and I think it, it's an opportunity I think for Minecraft to um gamify extra storage like you don't just change the ui but like you know maybe we can go and find something else you know we have to find you know craft something else out of leather or have another end game mob or something that we have to then utilize to get a backpack you know like uh i remember um back when i was playing world of warcraft the thing that you always sought after were like these nether weave 
backpacks because it was something that would take up one inventory slot in your current player backpack. But inside of the Netherweave thing would be like 60 inventory slots. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have all kinds of stuff in this one little space. Um, it was similar to like, I can't remember what the name of the bag is called in Harry Potter, but like, you know, Hermione is just always taking stuff out of her purse that is just like endless. It's like, yeah. what? It's like a bag Where of holding you... or whatever. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah. Those kind it's of an fantasy concepts. Yeah. 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 So they, that's the kind of thing that you kind of need, you know, an enchantment. What an excellent idea, you know, enchant a shulker box to then hold more stuff you know, turn it into a double chest or I don't know. There's a bunch of things that I think could be in there. But uh, on a positive note, like what are the things that you're taking away from 114 that you're really enjoying? Uh, I love natural stone slabs. I'm so happy they're in the game now. And I recently took a tour of our friend Whip's world, uh, his two-year building with Whip series world. And he pointed out that now you have natural stone slabs in the game, it's possible to create completely spawn-proof dark areas in caves that look supernatural. Right. And uh, I say supernatural, I mean incredibly natural, not like supernatural. And uh, <laughs> maybe both. Uh, yes, maybe both. Uh, and and it also yeah, it makes completely spawn-proof areas that are totally dark. And from a distance, you would not know the difference because you can't see the seams between the stone and the stone slabs. Um, right. Personally, I find it kind of complicated. I, I've definitely got tripped up several times by trying to craft smooth stone slabs with natural stone and then going, oh, no, wait, that's not how you do it anymore. But that's mm -hmm. that's fine. It's it's something I'm I'm finding my way around pretty easily now with a, a couple of weeks experience with the update. Um, personally, it's something we haven't really touched on on the show. Maybe I brought it up briefly in a pre or post show, but I haven't felt the need to call out the texture pack except to say how good no, like certain new textures look. Uh, I haven't really found any negatives with the texture change. And I know you've been working with the beta texture pack for a while, so it was less of a shift mm -hmm. for you. For me, it felt like one of those things that was going to be fundamental about the way the update works. And it isn't, but that's a good thing. It's not drawing attention to itself. It looks enough like the old Minecraft that you're just like, hey, I'm playing Minecraft. But everything is everything looks different, and I'm I'm struggling to find any negatives now. I'm using it on a regular basis. I think it's an improvement over the programmer art. I imagine a lot of people will still have opinions about how wood planks look, and a lot of people will still want to use their own texture packs. But I think the net gain of having the look of Minecraft be a little bit more coherent, and the textures still feel faithful in the you know primal way to the original you know more, more so than creating the the faithful texture packs that you've seen out there it feels just like minecraft looks like this now and i'm so well adjusted to it at this point that i think that's a that's a very good thing um it's it's funny that you mentioned that because i actually went through before my stream the other day and i was looking at my my texture pack the little the little texture tweaks that i layer on top of you know the the default now yeah. Uh, of course, I've removed the beta three from from my my layered uh, uh, texture packs because I don't I don't need it. Um, but I was looking at some of the stuff that I've changed, and I've I was removing a few things and do even double checking and being like, okay, well, this is in there, but it's no longer needed or it's redundant. Like it just it just doesn't make a difference, you yeah. know. It, like it changes it changes four pixels, you know, from one thing to the next. So I was like, all right, well, I don't need that. Um, so I'm I need to go through and actually condense. And kind of remove the the number of of uh, textures that are tweaked in my in my pack. And more and more, the stuff that I find that I'm tweaking are just personal player, not even quality of life. It's just like fun aesthetic stuff that I like differently. You know, like having a 
purple ender pearl and a purple eye of ender to me just makes a little bit more sense i thought the texture from jersey boy was great so i incorporated it into my own um but they doesn't really affect anything because yeah. people don't necessarily use ender chests to then color coordinate their builds right like it's yeah. just it's more of a function thing same with my tools like my diamond tools i've retextured those just to not be blue that's fine i just didn't like the blue ones but the only other thing that i can think of that's custom right now uh in my world are like beetroot potatoes and wheat and i've got special stuff like that but again it's decorative it's not building blocks it's not affecting the core minecraft look of like i am building with planks and stone and stuff like that i haven't touched any of that kind of yeah, stuff yeah it's it's, um, all, it's all stuff that you feel like you want to personalize rather than stuff that you feel needs to be corrected i think that's the distinction yes. to make there and that's that's yeah. a very good place to be i think for the look mm-hmm. of the game in general yeah uh, the one thing that i did notice um because i do have black nether brick which you, you'll see quite often i think in a lot of people's packs mm-hmm. uh, uh instead of the wine color mine's more of a black mine's a pretty solid black color uh, so you still see the bricks in it um but i'm noticing a lack of black slabs that are not brick yeah uh, in in my in my build this weekend on in the swamp i was doing a black kind of like concrete circle thing and i was thinking like you know it would be really nice to have black slabs to do like black stairs uh i'm noticing we've got a lot of gray slabs but they're all very light gray slabs and with wood we've got like the dark oak and and stuff like that and in in the nether we've got like the well the, even the default nether brick is like a like a dark wine kind of color yeah um but we don't have a lot of dark stone slabs you know like you don't have much other than like that medium to light gray everything seems to be quite quite light um so i don't know the thing to me in terms of like more more useful versions of blocks like that i'd like to see like more terracotta stuff like i feel like there could be that could be the next the next step there but yeah the the new slabs i have an entire shulker box now full of all the new stone slabs Mm -hmm. that's just it's like having an extra palette you know like when you're building something you just kind of plop this thing down and go like all right where can i use these yeah, definitely. And I, I'm I'm looking forward to using them a little bit more. I haven't done much in the way of terraforming with them yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to that. Uh on the subject of slabs and stairs, um I haven't done again, I haven't done much with this yet, but having them let light through transparent spaces is something I have yet to take advantage of, but I think is going to be really fun to play around with when decorating. So previously, if you had a stair block that was sideways on to a light source like a glowstone block or something, even though a quarter of that wood block or whatever was missing it wouldn't let light through that one quarter now it does and for some people that's a problem because they had designs that were reliant on light not being let through like i know my i had to adjust the way i build my mob spawners because i used to use stairs on the corners and that was now letting light through the gap in between the stairs that i normally look through just to check that the spawner was still spinning up while i was within range and that's a minor tweak i can make to my builds and then in in exchange i get something where like in order to hide lighting which we've talked about before being an important factor of end game building because you still have to have light everywhere to deter mobs from spawning you can now hide them behind stairs and behind slabs and you can make it look like there is a half block of glowstone there when there's actually a full block for example so there is definitely a a range of things you can do with that that i have yet to explore but i think is going to be very worthwhile looking into for builders in particular have you noticed at all that minecraft feels a little darker not in to my knowledge. No. Yeah, I, I, I just sort of feel like Minecraft is a little bit darker. And I'm wondering if some of it has to do with 
the, that, the lighting change. Not that I've used that trick anywhere on purpose, but more like just the, the fact that I trim my rooms with, with, uh, with stairs, you know, like often stairs are used like as like molding or, or baseboard type sort of things in tunnels and whatnot. I'm kind of wondering whether the shift in how light is functioning is, is meaning that I'm seeing things a little bit differently as so, I have no effect of the new rendering engine. Maybe it might could be. be yeah. Just no, I'm just, I'm just, it just, you know, again, it, it doesn't look bad. I'm just saying like, it just, it feels a little bit different and I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I mean, it could also be the fact that I'm still using preview versions of Optifine and Optifine the way that they handle light might be changing and or not finished yet. So I, I it could be completely just a, a unique experience to me. Um, but, uh, we were talking about it on stream the other day and I feel like somebody else was, was saying that, yes, they agreed. But again, I didn't not, I didn't clarify that they were also using Optifine, etc. Yeah. Uh, so you, we've been talking about the positive things. Is there anything else you want to recap? That's a little bit like not so positive, some stuff that you still need to tweak again, not wanting to inspire rants, but we, we like to have mm -hmm. a balanced view of things on the show. And we've already talked about pillagers potentially being a bit of a nuisance. Yeah. Uh, so, so what else is there that you still feel like needs a little bit of adjusting or seeing to in future updates, maybe? Well, this one is a known bug, and it's hopefully going to be addressed soon, because currently I cannot go near my gold farm. Uh, I used it once, and the zombie pigment aggro, which is a known bug, it's MC148600, uh, in where the, uh, the ticking aggro of a zombie pigment does not decrease. So as long as more zombie pigment can spawn in, the aggro will con continuously be spread over a very large distance. Uh, it's not terrible for us because our gold farm is quite far from our nether hub. However, if you have somehow angered a zombie pigment just as you enter the nether, it means that all of them will be angry at you forever all the time. Mm -hmm. This is a problem. These guys hit like trucks. Yeah. So uh, th this is not a fun thing. <clears throat> I've seen a, a, a couple of command um, solutions where you can use a teleport command to, if you're OP on your server or on your own world, you can teleport all zombie pigmen into the void. Uh, that's great, but I have a zombie pigmen farm that has specific pigmen that took forever to get into certain places, so <laughs> yes. I'm not teleporting them all away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you, need, you need those pigmen to like start the aggro chain going in the first yeah. place. Yeah, so that's that's a beef, uh, and 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 the it's it's even to the point where like the range at which they are aggro at me is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So something is very much broken. It's like the chain just kind of goes, and every zombie pigment within 128 blocks is walking towards me. Like yeah. it is impossible to do anything uh, in that zone. Uh, and of course, uh, to my detriment, I have a build in the middle of that zone that is engineered to keep aggro going. <laughs> so. So we have a bit of a of an endless loop there, similar to the the endless pillager raids. Actually, it's kind of what it feels like. Yeah. Um, beyond that, I would say that uh, from a technical standpoint, I find that player tracking performance on servers is still pretty laggy. Mm -hmm. uh, I have had some situations where I thought I was going to die. I would land and realize, why am I still flying? Why am I still hearing the flying sound? I'm 200 blocks away from flying, and then I would be teleported back to flying over lava, going oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, that's not good. I'm glad that I didn't stop flying because I've also had situations on the server before where I'm flying over a perfectly normal ocean or something like that. And you just kind of like tick and you kind of stop and you have to like fly again, yeah. which is fine. And everybody's used to it. But when it happens over lava in the nether, and I'm not talking about a second delay, I'm talking about like 10, 20 seconds. Uh, I have been teleported uh, 20, 30, 40 blocks 
I've gone in the house, shut the door, done something, and then I'm back outside again. And it's like, what just happened? <laughs> it is the most disorienting thing ever. Uh, so I'm hoping that that kind of stuff gets uh, gets tweaked uh, in the future. Yeah, I, th- and, I, think, I think there's there's specifically issues with that with flying and chunk loading is what I found. Because mm-hmm. even flying to different locations in the overworld, for me, I've found if I get outside of the radius where chunks can actually load underneath me, if I'm just moving too fast for my world to catch up, and this is a single-player world, so I'm running it on my own machine as well, there might be a little bit of like uh, performance you know, friction going on there, but my momentum is preserved when I'm flying, so I can get super high up while the chunks are still loading, and then when they load, that's when it starts to decrease my momentum again. So in theory, like, you can abuse that a little bit to get super high up with Elytra and coast at that point, but it also means that in some cases you find yourself landing in an area and you don't slow down. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that's the point at which you're like, okay, I'm going to collide with the side of a mountain that's like two blocks high, just because for whatever reason the server doesn't think I'm slowing down yet. Yeah. Uh, so so yeah, yeah. There, there's, there's still a couple of issues like that that need to be ironed out. And I think there are just little lag issues across the board. I found servers in particular, my patron server has been having issues with lag and mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to be caused by any one thing in particular it's just having a bunch of players online at once creates this cascading lag effect that is very difficult to dispel we have our server restarting twice a day now just to cope with that stuff but it is also Mm -hmm. a server that is frequented by like groups of eight or nine people at a time all in different places so sometimes it's quite a heavy load on the server but even so we weren't seeing issues like that in previous versions so i think 1.14 definitely needs a bit of optimizing for server-side performance for sure yeah uh from a gameplay perspective uh i find the new elytra landing crawling thing very awkward uh i am very often in it when i don't want to be in it i'm not trying to do it on purpose it's just happening uh, on its own it feels very floaty uh and i know it's a feature i know it's supposed to happen but it feels like a bug because it's happening when i'm not wanting it to happen sure and i think a huge part of that is the slidey animation and movement control that they give you when you're quote-unquote crawling yeah uh it just looks and feels incorrect and similar to how when you squat on a block uh with the shift you know like when you sneak it feels like you're sticking yourself to that block like it feels rooted yeah uh but this does not feel rooted this feels like flying in creative mode like it kind of has that slidey I'm still drifting, you know, like when you don't intend to. Yeah, it doesn't have like a uh, view bob kind of thing to it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very, very odd. So I'm not enjoying that um, uh, at all. So that's and that's and that's more of a personal I suck at PVE sort of stuff. So that's it could be more me than anybody else. Uh, although that brings up another positive note to kind of swing it back that way. I love the reach that you have with the new crouch. Yeah, no, that's that's a good point. Having being able to kind of take out or place blocks that are like three or four blocks down from where you're standing is yep. is a surprising benefit, especially if you you find yourself building roof sections or stuff like that where you need towers, to build walls. Out. Yeah, yep. yeah. There's there's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of benefits to that. Yeah, um, no. I when I was digging out that trench for my new Nether portal thing, it was fantastic. You know, you stick on the side of a block and you just hold down your your shovel, and you just like four blocks just disappear directly underneath you. It's fantastic. Now on the reverse, you it's something to get used to because if you're doing a ceiling and you're on something precarious, when you squat or or sneak, you have less reach because you're lower, so you can't reach as far. <laughs> so that's get that's hard to get used to too. Yeah. 
So from from my perspective, there's a couple of things that I'm still, I don't know, fi finding, if not grating on me, then they're at least like a, a back of the mind irritation. Um, personally, I would love to be able to use those new workstations as decoration and have villagers around and not have the two interact. And I understand mm -hmm. why there isn't a reason for that. Like you couldn't kind of click and drag from a villager to a profession block. That just doesn't feel like Minecraft to me. But at the same time, I, I've had several people ask, why don't you populate your castle or your town with with villagers? And part of that is because of the pillager spawns and, and not wanting to have a raid in the middle of my town. But the other part of it is wanting to be able to use those new blocks for decoration, have barrels everywhere and not be surrounded by fishermen, have lecterns pop up wherever I want in the shops, but not have to have librarians crowding them during the day that kind of stuff and not have to worry too much about like the safety of those villages as a as a result uh we've already covered villages not recognizing the nearest workstation as their workstation that's just a bit of a problem for me because yeah having villagers in those trading cells obviously that's not the intention for villagers now they want villages to be a little bit more organic but Ultimately, what I'm left with, if I don't want that organic thing, is a villager who's standing in front of a composter and still won't refresh his farmer trades. And that feels frustrating because you, you just, you look at it and like, all of these composters are the same. It's right there, dude. You're just kind of like yelling at him through the screen at that point. Their um, range for detecting blocks should be like 10. Yeah, and or it, like 16 and, or something, like at, and at it's, most. Yeah, 8 to 16. It is something ridiculous, like 80 to 120 or it's, something it's bananas. Big. It's very, Yeah, very it's big. really, really large, yeah. And I, I think there's definitely some some villagers who, even if they can't see or pathfind to stuff visually, they know that a composter is there through a wall in another building, and they're like, yep. oh, I'm going to be a farmer now. And I'm like, no, mm -hmm. I wanted you to be a stonemason. They turn into villager June bugs, and they're just kind of like <laughs> ramming their heads up against the wall. Yep, I've seen that too. Basically, yeah. Uh, my final thing is <laughs> the, 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 the now weekly rag on wandering <laughs> traders. They still suck. No, they're, they're, yep. they're all right. It's just... I, I love I love the character designs. I love the llamas. I love the the model of the the robes and everything. And their trades are just frequently so useless that I, I I know that they're not meant to be for me in survival. But they show up in survival every five minutes. It seems like, and often I will have left an area and a wandering trader is still there. And then I go and do some work elsewhere, and a wandering trader turns up there. And I return to the first place and that wandering trader is still there. And I'm like, I can't get away from you guys. You're just everywhere. Um, I have traded 15 Nautilus shells off of them. On the rare occasion that the Nautilus shell trade comes up, it is the mm. only trade I will take from them at this point. And that's good because I don't want to AFK fish. I don't want to just leave my computer logged in and AFK fishing while I do other stuff. So I, I don't have a surplus of Nautilus shells the way some players might. Still don't have a drowned farm for that either. And it's good to have those because I have a ton of Hearts of the Sea laying around from random shipwrecks that I came across. And I'm very happy to be able to convert some of those into conduits and start working on some more underwater stuff. And leave the conduits in permanent locations instead of having to pack them up and take them with me every time. But nice. that is still the only worthwhile trade in my experience that you get from a wandering trader in a standard survival world. I really wish their trades could be diversified and include some stuff that is... Like, there's a... um. There's a, a traveling cart merchant that appears every Friday and Sunday in Stardew Valley. Um, spoilers for those of you who haven't played Stardew Valley, but this is an incredibly minor thing. And uh, yeah, she will trade you literally anything in the game, but the prices are wackadoo. You're paying like 
two grand for like some carrot seeds that you could have bought from the shop for a hundred gold or something but you're also getting stuff that you can get out of season and you get rare stuff and sometimes you just got some crazy things for low prices that you weren't expecting and that can be used to fulfill certain other tasks in the game and I think it would be great if Wandering Traders became that. Their trades were almost completely randomized and you had a chance of getting like a trident or a nether star or something that may maybe not something that would let you bypass progression so easily but definitely some more stuff like he's got a random like fire aspect sword and then suddenly you're buying a a powerful sword from this wandering merchant who then just i'm in the wind and he disappears you know mm -hmm. i i like that idea that kind of lends a little bit more character to the world a little bit and it, it gives it more of a fantasy feel like that one guy who's the, the the like the room of requirement in harry potter he's just there when he needs when you need him and yeah and then, yeah and then he disappears and and is is gone to everybody else i i would love wandering traders to be that and as of right now they are not really giving me what i need we've talked a lot about um getting potential stuff and new features in the game for people that like to play on passive, you know, like uh, composters allowing you to get bone meal when you would not be able to do it otherwise. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe adding some trades to the Wandering Trader that allow that kind of thing. So for people that want to um, be able to trade blaze rods, you know, get that kind of stuff uh, and still play on passive. You know, yeah. um, I, I know it's a thin line to tread. Like you want to be able to, you want to encourage players to go to the nether as part of the game. You know, like you want that kind of progression, but some people just don't like it and yeah. they want to play in survival, but they can't get nether wart. Yeah. You know, like, and I think having those kind of rare things show up in a wandering trader uh, as the final note for me would be, would be an excellent way to kind of up that a little bit. Yes. I think so. I'm going to end us on a positive note, though, because uh, I feel like we, we've we've gone through the positive stuff first, and then we go to the negative. We need to we need to get, create like a positivity sandwich here. And so I'm going to say my final positive note about this is that community enthusiasm for the game seems to be at an all time high. We mentioned last week about it becoming the best selling game of all time. 1.14 content, if not necessarily the performance, it's had its troubles, but it seems to have done really good stuff for player morale. People are getting back into Minecraft who weren't into it before and going, what are all these new features? This is amazing. The oceans look really great. The villages look totally different. And I feel like everyone still seems very enthusiastic about the direction the game is going. So I think Mojang is doing a really great job of providing content updates that feel like the game still has so much potential and it bodes well for future updates. And as we are approaching the next Minecon in a few months' time and we are looking forward to finding out what happens in the next update i think at least this update is going to have a huge amount of stuff uh, to to give people in the meantime but that's going to be it for this episode of the spawn chunks thank you guys so much for listening you can find more information about the show and links to some of the stuff we've talked about today at thespawnchunks.com the music for the show was composed by me and the spawn chunks is proud to be a listener supported podcast if you're getting some value out of the show why not consider putting some value back in you can visit patreon.com slash the spawn chunks to join our community where pledging at any level will get you an invite to our patrons only discord chat and get us closer to our future milestone goals we currently have 109 patrons but we're always looking to increase that number and i want to say a special thank you to our content engineer patrons jd williamson pajitos and yitz for supporting this episode Sharing the podcast with your friends is the easiest way to support the show. You can find us at The Spun Chunks on Twitter and Instagram, but a personal recommendation is by far the best way to share the podcast with friends and server mates and other places that you talk about Minecraft. Or, you know, just poke a friend in the arm and say, hey, listen to the show. It's cool. I do it. You should do it too. Uh, 
it goes a long way. You can contact the show, email us at thespawnchunks at gmail.com. You can find The Spawn Chunks by name on your favorite podcast platform that includes Android, iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. And hey, we're on iTunes, or not iTunes, we're on YouTube as well, uh, if you want to listen to podcasts there. The RSS feed is linked on thespawnchunks.com. And of course, the patron-only RSS feed is on the Patreon page, and that is the best place to find the render distance, the extended version of the podcast. My name is Johnny, but online I go by PixelRiffs, and you can find most of what I do at youtube.com slash PixelRiffs, where I attempt to make sense of this crazy and wonderful game in a series called the Minecraft Survival Guide. I stream three days a week on Twitch, twitch.tv slash PixelRiffs, doing some behind-the-scenes work at the Survival Guide world. I'm also the voice for the unofficial Hermitcraft recap, which you can find through a quick YouTube search, and aside from that, I'm at PixelRiffs on both Twitter and Instagram. Joel, where can people find you online? Everything that I am doing online is at joelduggan.com. If you're interested in hiring me for doing illustration or design work, then please just drop me an email through the site. If you like this show, you may also like the Citadel Cafe, a podcast where I do uh, conversations with friends about sci-fi and geeky entertainment. Uh, Johnny was actually on last week. We talked about Endgame with my friend Megan. It was hey, fantastic. Oh, it was yeah, great. it was a good Had time. A lot of fun epic epic crossover uh you can follow me on youtube twitch twitter and instagram with just my name joel duggan i'm going to point you towards twitch because that's where i do a lot of my online content right now so come over hang out have a good time see you there thanks for visiting the spawn chunks the world outside is infinite and the pillagers are coming